0: Welcome to Failed Architecture Breathe Blocks, where our editors share their thoughts on works in progress, urgent matters, and current happenings in architecture and spatial politics. I am Eda Hisar Lolu, currently an editor in Failed Architecture's Istanbul team. Uh, Today, I am joined by landscape and book designer Anna Maria Fink and writer and musician Mitz Andemans to talk about Rhino and Alternative Story, their collaborative contribution within the Stories on Earth project and the parallel program of the Dutch Pavilion in Venice Architecture Biennale. Hi Anna. Hi Miss.
1: Hi. Hi. Hi.
0: Firstly, congratulations. That was really nice to see your work and think more about that. Firstly, I would like to ask considering the theme of the venice biennale and the response of the dutch pavilion would you like to talk about who is rhino and how the human and non-human actors of this story are chosen
1: well this the whole idea about rhinos came actually during one of the workshops that we did for this project and then i got this idea about uh, some dystopian futuristic story about where uh, rhinos have taken over our our, our the human spaces so when me and Anna got together to actually work on it, I thought it would be nice to proceed on that story. I'm actually a fan of these type of stories myself. So to me it was yeah, it felt uh, it was it was inspiring to to write something like that. I don't know if you know the movie 12 Monkeys uh, with Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. That's one of my favorite movies and I kind of had a similar feel when when, when I was writing this like like that movie, like some a story that is Different. It's in the future, and it's kind of mysterious. And it actually reveals itself at the end. So that was the, the way I, I jumped into the story.
0: Yeah, it's really actually distorts the time and the history by the unfolding events. How was the structuring of the story happened? Because it really challenges the time and the perception of the people that are, that are listening. For example, for me, the most catching phrase... Uh, was Andrea saying that we live here as we used to live, considering the living conditions of the human and non-human? Could you tell us more how you structured that and how human-animal alliance scenario came
1: out? I, I left it open in a way so that if in, in the future I decide I want to uh, get more out of this story, I can maybe you know write a, a, com- a more complete story. And this is this was uh, actually a really short story. But, uh, yeah, the thing about Andreas saying something like that was just to... I wanted, uh, even though certain roles had been changed, I wanted wanted the human feel to to remain in the the story. Because uh, it is still told from out of the human experience, even though it's about rhinos, it's uh, it's about how the humans live under those circumstances. And I wanted to make it exciting, so that's why there's this rush and there's this uh, feeling of uh, being chased. Well, just giving a different perspective on, on things, because that was also the, the assignment from field Arch- architecture was to reimagine the, the spaces, so I thought this so gave a new dimension to how we treat each other, how we deal with things, and especially that scenario that you were talking about, where Andreas is explaining the, the circumstances. Um, while I, while I was writing that it actually made me think of uh, our current circumstances in the world with with lockdowns and, and and curfews so I thought it was very relevant so I had, I, I had a lot of fun uh, working on this project
0: yeah it definitely resonates on the you know current living situation and that stuff maybe this can lead to the second question that I want to ask but before do you have any inputs about uh, like who is Rhino and how these you know non-human, and human actors are finding themselves in a particular environment in the story, Anna. Also, like, how did you come up with a method of cutting out the rhino from its surrounding and creating physical manifestation out of it?
2: Yeah, so when Mr. And me met for the first time to have sort of a work session and he already developed this story or kept developing the idea of the rhino, I, I was very curious. I found it really funny also. I think it came from a very humorous collaboration or humorous moment also in the workshop and I found it quite inspiring that I first also felt this distance to towards the rhino as an animal that I have never really encountered myself and it was this distance that kept me asking yeah who is rhino and how do I relate to rhino and in the story of course it's very much about relationship to actually a new urban inhabitant that we have never seen as an urban inhabitant before, at least not in this way. That's how how it was kind of related to the zoo. Now we have rhinos in many cities in in the Netherlands, but we don't look at them as inhabitants. We look at them as exhibition objects, which is yeah also very strange. So. I was just thinking of how can I create a process that allows me to get to know a rhino. And we have been also talking about going to visit all the rhinos in the Netherlands, but we were in deep lockdown at that point. So it just wasn't possible at all. So the whole research for me started with looking up images of rhinos and simply following what Google images, what the algorithm kind of presented about rhinos. And I had a very interesting talk with a friend of mine I was just explaining I'm starting this project about rhino, and I feel this enormous distance that it's this animal I never encountered before. And and he said, well, you know, like before the last ice age, and actually were there were rhinos living in Europe. There was the woolly rhino, and so that that was this aha moment. I thought, okay, so actually there has been a period where we were living with rhinos right here in this place. So. Um, yeah, I I started to look more into the rhino in Europe. So that kind of became the frame for what kind of images and what kind of uh, personalities of rhinos we were seeking. And so became a bit of a timeline looking back to the woolly rhino. Then there is a huge gap of like 15,000 years until well there have been rhinos apparently brought to Europe in Roman times, but there's no actual imagery of that, and then suddenly there's Duber making this sketch of a rhino. And that was also quite a beautiful story because apparently Duber has never seen a rhino before. In 1515 there was the first rhino uh, shipped to um, to the port of Lisbon and and he only read a story and a few sketches of this rhino that came into the port and then he made his own interpretation of it and i'm so really fascinated how he did that it looks very it looks very strange and yet in its mysteriousness you can really imagine that it's kind of maybe real and yeah after that there was another period of 50 years where there were no rhinos and then another rhino came and then around 1750 there was a rhino called clara who became really famous actually who traveled through all of Europe and was exhibited in a way. And uh, it was also strange to feel that there's this personification in this history of the rhino in the, in Europe. And yeah, and then finally we end up at these images of rhinos in zoos here in the Netherlands. So very, yeah, images of people made visiting the zoo, but also these strange images of these intimate moments of the rhino mothers having their first baby and captured on a webcam and yeah so with this whole collection of images finally I thought yeah what I'm going to do with it now familiarizing myself with the rhino so I started to cut them out like first print them out to kind of have a physical manifestation of them and then to cut them out and literally free them from this context that we've created for them trying to get that person out and, and on the scale of my hands also. So every rhino could fit into my hand. And that's when I started to place it around myself in the studio, realizing that suddenly these new environments came into being. And that really made me think of, yeah, of Miss Story again and of, of how would a rhino be in the city and how awkward this juxtaposition would be. and And I was really happy about finding that. That the rhino actually had this presence in my own space and then I started to extend that towards the the surrounding of the studio going into the garden going into the park and then seeing how like um, yeah then suddenly the rhino really became a person in the sense of that it had a specific quality about it due to the way the image was taken or that it was a drawing or that it was two rhinos together in a certain situation and and I cri- tried to look in this very familiar in, uh, environment of the city, of how to how to give them this new place, and finally these yeah kind of strange images came out that then I think were an interesting way to illustrate the story not not very literal but simply in expanding parts of the story into another ideas or yeah.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much explanatory. But I'm really curious, like, how all this research and writing process come along. Because, you know, obviously there is some uh, imagination about the space and the story and the personalities. But you were, you know, working remote, I guess. Like, I don't know, have you ever managed to come together for the workshops and stuff? How your processes are intersected while producing this output
1: it was actually, uh, we actually only met once physically, and everything else was online. Uh, the workshops were all online. So it was a lot of going back and forth. You know, I kept editing pieces of the story, Anna kept showing me new images. So it, 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 the, the process was exciting, because every few weeks we got a little further in the process. And I, I was actually really excited when Anna came up with this this concept about cutting out the the rhinos and and the whole idea of actually physically setting them free. So that was to me pretty deep. I think it 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 added a lot to the story I was I was writing. Yeah, that was the process. Just keep we kept going back and forth, and also every now and then discussing it with uh, Chiara and, and Daphne from Phil Architecture. So, yeah, we just kept working on it until we had something that we thought we were satisfied with.
0: From that point, I can move on to the last question. The final output of the project you did as a physical book, a film, and a PDF book. And this all outputs enables different layers of perceptions in the audience. So this also uh, has different components as text texture sound and embedded hyperlinks how did you decide that variety of the methods and how do you prefer it to be exhibited and what is a possible future afterlife of the project as mitzvot's mentioning in the beginning of our talk
2: yeah i think that the original spark was also a bit of pragmatic one which was simply to be in the situation of of having uh, lockdowns and uncertainties about physical manifestations and and possibilities of exhibiting in the traditional sense. And I found that really inspiring. We had to think of different modes of of indeed understanding the story. And I like that it can apply to a, a larger number of different audiences. We were also, Miss has made a very beautiful children's book before and also a sort of a theater play. And we really imagined that it also could be a children's story, and and at the same time, there's also a very specific audience in Venice that we will look at it. But yeah, I think the variety really tries to capture these different aspects, and and indeed also the um, makes the encounter different. Like the the actual book that you can that you can get is very small. It's like the size of a smartphone, so. That was with the idea that you can carry it with you, you can put it in your pocket, and when you hold it in your hands, you actually have this huge animal, the rhino, right there in your palm. So it's kind of an intimate sphere. And there, But there's also an exhibition version of the book that is larger, so you can get more kind of sucked into the images and have have a more encompassing look at it, at the book itself. And then I think the video also with the in collaboration with the video maker, has its whole... opens a different dimension with Mist actually reading the story, adding his own voice to it and own uh, feel to the story. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy that we had this possibility also to go in all these directions.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, making the most out of the situation uh, because, like Anna said, we we were in sort of a lockdown. We couldn't really go out and do other things because, yeah, I think we, we talked about doing a, an installation at first that we could present at the, at, the, at, the, at the event, but then there were uncertainties about the event itself and whether we could even be there. So, so then, yeah, th- that sparked a lot of thinking and a whole creative process. So I'm actually, yeah, that, like I said, it's, now we have, we have, we've created more than, than we maybe would have created if we weren't in this situation.
0: A blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like before asking to you, I had no idea uh, of the book having a really small version that can fit into the pockets and it totally changes, you know, all the idea and aspects and like perceiving the old work altogether. I was about to ask a bit more about uh, in your story, you're saying it's uh, human and people alliance, like... It's a really, you know, like, it's like a children's story, but it also has that, you know, political approach that has, you know, hidden meanings and messages inside. Like, would you like to, like, elaborate more on that? Yeah. Uh,
1: Personally, I call it a a children's book for adults. (laughs) So it's kind of, it's in the style of a children's book, but of course the story is much more intense than than a children's story would be. But because it's about an animal, it, it kind of also sounds like a children's book because a lot of children's books uh, have animals as the main characters. Like, like I mentioned the movie uh, Twelve Monkeys earlier because that was kind of the idea of uh, a group of people who have formed a, a, a really close bond with with animals and, and actually feel that there shouldn't be any difference between humans and other animals. It, like it mentions in the book. Uh, the Human-Animal Alliance just had this idea for equality, but um, the the question remains whether they accomplished that or whether they created something else.
0: I can ask one more thing to Anna. While you said you were playing around with the cutouts of the images of the rhinos in your workshop, also we are seeing the pictures of the rhinos, cutout pieces in the construction sites. Also in the story, in the last part, All through the story, actually, there is a lot of information about the physical environment that story goes on. Uh, So, like, how it affected your decisions to picture and place the cutout pieces? And how was it? How was that process of playing actually outside in the city with the images of the rhino
2: yeah, it was quite literally going for a walk with the rhinos. Along this route, which is sort of a route I, I, I walk very, very frequently. It's like a daily route. Um, I just started to to place them and in a way look for this yeah, relationship between the quality of of the image and the the, the quality of the space and the textures and how, how that came together and it was often quite surprising how how they fitted as if they have always been there or should have been there or yeah so it was a quite playful exercise I think a very very intuitive also simply to to find a dialogue between what is already there and uh, what can be imagined and then finally the um, the structure of the images within the story was also very associative so sometimes there's a very intense moment in in the story and then, uh, yeah, I chose an image that has a certain intensity with it or or there is a baby rhino on it on a moment where the story is about a child. So it's quite freely associated, I think, maybe also very subjective, but I think that is okay because the story is very clear and I found it interesting to give a certain freedom within the the development of the image story.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm also curious what was specifically hard about collaborating from further distance or online and what's pushed you in the process, like what was particularly hard for you? Because I'm so surprised at how much resonates both of your work inside
2: each other. So like, yeah, I'm really curious what was hard. I think we really wanted to see each other So, and Mist and me managed actually to to really meet at the very beginning of the project before we, I think it was even before Mist has developed the story of the rhino and it, and it was really just getting to know each other, spending time and hanging out basically and just telling each other about each other's work and yeah, I think that was really good to get a sense of who you're collaborating with which is not so easy to do on a screen because then it's really very much down to the point of what are what are we going to do what what do we want to reach together it becomes very formal and and maybe a bit too straightforward so i think that helped our process and then i also really appreciated that there were moments where the whole group met where we met uh, daphne and chiara and we also met the other two groups and we also i think inspired each other with the Reflecting on certain ideas, and I a very nice moment was also that when um, there was a video made of us by uh, I think um, the Stimulating or New Institute. They wanted to contribute something to the opening ceremony, so we had a camera crew at my studio, and and most of our team met there, and that was also the first moment that we met physically, and it was quite cute because we had a blast and, and they filmed us while hanging out again together and but that was also a very inspiring moment because we were still all in uh, in development of the physical things so like Karin and Angelo brought um, a, a piece of their textile installation and we could look at it and feel it and I was still debating about the size of the book and and it was really uh, a nice exchange just to yeah, share some thoughts.
1: Yeah, because the, the, the first meeting me and Anna had was actually very important because that really changed how we, we stepped into this uh, project. Because, uh, yeah, I've written books before, and Anna has actually crafted books before. So that, that, that we thought, okay, so well, then we have to make a book. Because, uh, so that was really uh, fun. Because when I saw Anna's work, I thought, okay, this can really turn into something great. So if we, if I think if we, if we didn't do it like this and we would still make a certain installation, I think maybe a giant book to just put somewhere in an exhibition would have been even, you know, also an idea.
2: Yeah, a rhino-sized book. Maybe that's next.
1: <laughs> yeah, as big as the rhino itself, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's amazing. So also I have to say that on that video that you mentioned, everyone was meeting in your uh, workshop, Everyone was looking so happy. <laughs> like, it was so obvious that like, it's, you, you finally managed to meet, and yeah, it was looking so great.
1: Yeah, that was a time that I actually couldn't be there. <laughs> so, no, I wasn't, I wasn't there that day. No.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, there hasn't been a moment where we could all meet. So I hope one day that will that will still come. Uh, maybe I think mist we should still do our zoo tour and just go and see all the rhinos of the Netherlands at some point. So
1: yeah, we should do that because we could still keep promoting this uh, this work that we did uh, even after the whole uh, event.
0: <laughs> yeah, please keep us posted when you're having the tour with tiny rhinos on your hands and uh, real size rhinos on uh, sadly on the zoos. Um, yeah, thank you very much. It was really nice to you know hear further about your process because as I was you know digging into more about the video and the PDF book and stuff you know it was getting deep and deep and deep and it's really nice to finally hear it out from you.
2: Thank you
1: very much. Thank you uh, for having us.